pretty good. <laughs> Shaka. Well, we've had an interesting day in the glory. How are you guys doing already then? I hear your spirits say, really good. Really good. Getting delivered. Getting, getting delivered from your blood. You know, that's what you get delivered from. From your human nature. From your blood. Until you don't have human blood anymore, that's a lot of deliverance. They don't teach you that in deliverance school in the charismatic church. That you still need deliverance if you have human blood, but it is the truth anyhow. Jesus' blood changed until it wasn't human anymore. The Bible says he became celestial. It's written in the Word. Celestial bodies. Philippians 2 and 3. That his blood turned into a heavenly substance called the glory of God. Well, it's written in the Bible, anyhow. We've settled in most parts of a Christianity for a human Christianity that settles for just being good. Hallelujah. Maybe if I can feel God's presence, then I'll be good. If I'm blessed, I'll be good. If there's peace in my house and prosperity within my walls, that's good enough for me. God's standard is a lot different than ours. God's standard is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and you also will be changed, Greek word metamorphosized, caterpillared, which is a bulldozer, by the way. So we need a caterpillar in this place to bulldoze the bull. Which is Baal, the selfishness of our souls, into oblivion. As for wildfire, drunken glory, out of control, caterpillar bulldozer glory, with a lamb's battering ram. See, the goat is for the lost, the carnal Christian, the enemy of Christ, gets the goat battering ram, but the lamb's battering ram is for those that love him. Just because you come into the sheepfold and he lays your head down in fresh, tender, green pastures besides still refreshing, cool waters, and he restores your soul, some of the restoration of your soul is gonna be a frickin' bulldozer, man! A demolition team. Sometimes a SWAT team. Just to deal with the thief inside the garden of the soul. Because the soul has to be changed. Why are we here tonight? Some of you asking yourselves that question. 
Why? Why did I have to tune in to the destruction of my animal? It'd be so easy just to let the animal live. I think we're sick and tired of the curse of the fall. Some people here are willing sacrifices. Others have been forced here by their mom. Youth pastors used to play Joel's bar in their youth groups. Wow, that's pretty wild. That ended pretty quickly. Never heard from that youth pastor ever again. That was like eight years ago. (laughs) Because we're here with a lamb's battering ram. That's the word of God today. There is a demolition a destroyer of Egypt. We don't get destroyed in Christ. We thrive in Christ. But we get the same destruction of the enemy. And the only reason why we prosper through it is because we cling to the Holy Ghost who takes progressive territory in our souls. It's the same destruction for everything and everyone. Judgment. God's throne. The glory judgment. It will destroy everything. The Bible says that. That the glory fire is so strong, it will melt and destroy everything. But what cannot be destroyed, and this is where faith saves you, what cannot be destroyed is all that shall remain. A lot of you, because of allowing the soul, which is the animal, to live, don't have an understanding of the need for destruction in your lives. We say, oh, I just need to be alive. Could not be more deceived. Could not be more bewitched than just self-sustainment or the gospel allowing the soul to thrive, which is growing in the Antichrist. A lot of people grow in the soul realm and not the spirit realm. The soul realm is the realm of complete, Jian Guyan called it, annihilation. Complete annihilation. And we don't need to help the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost needs to help us. Jesus Christ called your destroyer And that is exactly what he is. I know when you're just total babies in Christ, you just need swaddling cloth and a baby bottle and to get burped and your diapers changed. But you've been in the glory a couple years. It's time to start walking in the glory. After two, three years, you start talking in the glory, walking in the glory, growing up and becoming a child of the glory and no longer a baby in the glory. And that's where many of you are today. God is raising you up. And the Bible says in Hebrews that he chastises and severely scourges that those he receives as children. God scourges children. In our culture, we don't even have a grid for that. And it's not a painful process for the spirit. It's the only way the spirit's going to make it. If you're not scourged, you will allow the unscourged soul 
to suck up all the nutrients of your spirit and you'll never live a spiritual life. You'll live a bewitched life, which is the forfeit of your birthright to the fallen angels. That's how severe it is. That's why when the prophets go through this sanctification and share it with the nation of Israel and share it with the body and bride of Christ, it is life and death, whether you live or die in your sin or live through sanctification. If the soul does not learn submission through annihilation to the spirit, which causes the soul to be glorified after the spirit, the soul sucks up all the life and the glory of God in the spirit never shines through the bones and marrow. And the Bible says that's the valley of dry bones, why human beings die. The life is in the blood, you know, through science and biology that blood is produced in human bone marrow. That's where your life and the quality, quantity in the years and the span of your life is directed by your bones. Just say bones. We need understanding in the bones. The prophets speak of the bones all the time. Jesus talked about his own bones. Not one of them will be broken. And his bones will have to go into Zion, which is eternal, immortal life in the physical realm. Our invincibility in the natural realm is based on one thing, the bones of Jesus. And that is the truth anyhow. Anyone that says that he did not come in flesh and blood is an antichrist because it's denying the invincibility of his transfigured bones, which is the conquering of death because life and death is in the bones of your human nature. Truth anyhow. Can the dry bones live? Ezekiel 37. We're going to train the bones like it says in Jeremiah 20, to have fire of the Word of God in the bones. Apostle Paul says the same thing in in Hebrews chapter 4, that the Word of God divides bone from marrow. That's necessary to live. You can't live unless the Word of God is in your bones. It'll be a struggle. You'll find your will opposing the Holy Spirit all the days of your life. It'll be hard because your bones are not baptized in the fire of the Word of God. When they get baptized, you go on autopilot in God's will. There's a measure of fire in the bones where you can't do anything else except God's will. It's called going on autopilot. We need autopilot. That's why Jesus Christ said, my yoke is easy. Where does the yoke go? On the shoulders, on the bones, on the bones. The yoke of his spirit is upon your shoulders. You feel your shoulders? It's all bones there. It's all bones, guys. It's true. You live in a temple. This is a temple of bones. Bones and sinews and all these things. Ezekiel 37, let's read it. Hallelujah. (laughs) God wants to deal with death in you tonight. God wants to give you a baptism of fire and an understanding of how to conquer your last enemy that's in your bones right now. 
It's in the bones. People age because of bone quality and blood quality. Blood cells in the bones, it all deteriorates. But if the spirit burns and the word of God burns in your bones, you won't deteriorate. You'll create an immortal, invincible realm in your spirit, soul, brain, and bones. There's salvation for the bones today. There's salvation in every way. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ezekiel, or as they say, easy kill. 37. And I'm going to read in the Amplified Classic. The hand of the Lord Jesus Christ was upon me. Amen. Truth, anyhow. And he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. You know what the valley is, guys? Earth. You're in it right now. And he caused me to pass round about among them and behold there were very many human bones in the open valley or the plain and behold they were very dry and he said to me son of man can these bones live and I answered O Lord God you know again he said to me prophesy to these bones and say to them Oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Holy Ghost. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. They say, my bones. Amen. Behold, I will cause breath and spirit to enter your bones. And then, and only then, shall you live. You know that? You know that verse? Jesus Christ told the prophet, the only way my people gonna live is if the Ruach HaKadash, the spirit of the living God, goes into your bones. And then you really live. You really live. (laughs) You don't live a human life anymore. You're talking from a guy here they got carried by his dreadlocks a thousand miles. It's a little bit different quality of life when you're being pulled around through the sky and the clouds by the Spirit of God, by your dreadlocks. And his quality of life, now he's coming back from taking flight, like Superman Ezekiel, talking about the breath of life entering bones man these people are crazy that's the good kind of crazy amen that's holy ghost faith on a level most christians can't even comprehend so i'm gonna cause breath and spirit to enter you and you shall live and i will lay sinews upon you which is not sin (laughs) 
The sinew is like an ew without the sin. That's from the, the Vine's literal translation. Ew, no sin upon you. And I'll bring flesh upon you. And I'm going to cover you with skin. And as I see these words in the Bible, I see the wineskin. I can actually see right now a wineskin. It's those ancient pouches. And I think they use like a goat sk- a stomach or something. <laughs> Look, you know, they take some part out of an animal and it's real stretching elastic and they dry it out and they put a little nozzle on the end and they call it a day. I saw one of those, those old-fashioned wineskins from like an animal intestines just now. But it was glorious. And out of the top, red wine of the Holy Ghost was splashing. So I think the Lord wants you to have skins. A different type of skin than the one you're living in. When you're drinking a lot, you're going to live with a different consciousness. A lack of drinking always causes self-consciousness, and that's what many of you struggle with, looking at yourself, which is sin. It's sin to look at you. The only way to keep your eyes off of yourself is to be drunk in the Spirit. There's no other way. There's no salvation from self-consciousness. And this is what the, the Spirit is saying, is warring against your wine. There's a war against you drinking the blood and the glory of Jesus' bones. Oh, Jesus. Amen? You can you can say, eat my flesh. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. Where does the blood come from? It comes from bones, guys. Jesus' transfigured bones is where the blood That's when you get into the real thick substance glory. It's why it's such a natural, heavy, weighty glory upon the flesh because it came from another man's flesh who's gone ahead of you. The blood only comes from flesh. You can't get blood from spirit. Jesus had to die in the flesh and take his flesh up into heaven to give you the glory. Which means you can't get glory. The Bible says there is no glory in the Old Testament except through animal flesh. You had to kill a thousand goats, a thousand rams, and a thousand bulls. And when Solomon killed those 3,000 gigantic animals of flesh and blood, then the glory filled the temple. Which means without flesh and blood, zero glory. And that Gnostic demon just dying in your brain right now. Oh my God, flesh, glory, what in the world? The religious spirit hates the preaching of Jesus' flesh. What you need is a feast on his bone marrow. It's like going to Kentucky Fried Chicken in here tonight. You go in there, I remember being so disgusted when I was a kid, some of these parents raising their kids to eat the chicken's bone marrow. I'd be a little kid, you know, my parents were against that, so I thought, man, these are some messed up kids. They would, they'd take their KFC, they'd, cho- they'd break it in half, they'd start sucking the marrow out of the bones. I was like, oh, you know, what is wrong with you? I don't think we can be friends anymore. I'm not even playing with you at recess, man. You're disgusting. You you drink 
the marrow out of animal bones? In Christ we do. I still don't trust a person who eats a- animal marrow right now. Some sick people in here. Barbecue, brother. Anything blessed by God is to be given thanks for. Do not eat blood. I'm about to bring the law of James on you from the book of Acts. Stop eating the blood of strangled animals, Red Litter Ministries. Kind of you're cooking up blood sausage. Strangled animals. And sexual morality. And remember the poor. Three things. The apostles in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Yeah, check, check, check. That's that's good. Amen. Good. But it's interesting. Jesus said that unless you eat my flesh, there's no life in you. Isn't that weird? That there was a concept of devouring the very substance in his physical body by faith in order for it to go into your physical body. A lot of people don't get into Holy Ghost cannibalism. We do. We're cannibals. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a fine line between vampirism and drinking the blood of Jesus. You know what the difference is? The flesh is no longer human. If his flesh and blood was not transfigured, it would be the worst sin. It'd be just total occult sickness. But because he's transfigured, and you know, he told his disciples to drink his blood before he was transfigured. You know why? He was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That by faith, you could eat what was inside his glorified genetics before he even died on the cross. Because in heaven, he had already died on the cross because the Son of God can't disobey the Father. Because they're in, they're in union. They're one. <laughs> so the will of the Father was accomplished before the creation of the world because he's already in the future, which means that you could, by faith, tap into the finished work at any time on earth. That's how Elijah lives forever. That's how Moses lives forever. That's how Enoch lives forever. So there is a tapping into the eternal realm by faith. Now you have the visible historical evidence which brings judgment upon the unbeliever. The reason why Jesus Christ was manifest, the Bible says, was to destroy the works of the devil. The works of the Holy Spirit can continue on. But it was the physical manifestation of the Son of God that physically destroyed Satan. And that's what comes forth physically by the devouring of his physical bones and his physical blood. The only way you ever get into the glory is you get into the physical bones and blood of Jesus. You could go, listen, it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb for a reason. It's a people whose faith learns how to eat. Some of you have learned how to drink. Now you got to learn how to eat. You have to eat the lamb in the marriage supper of the lamb. At that supper, you are eating Jesus' flesh. Amen? You're eating the transfiguration. 
a physical substance. It's likened to manna. <laughs> I am the bread that's come down from heaven, Jesus said, which means they ate God. The reason why God was with them in a cloud by day and a fire by night is because they were eating and consuming their God. They were eating angelic glory from heaven they men ate the bread of angels that is written and the physical impartation of jesus through the elements the creator of everything was going into them causing their clothes to not wear out their shoes to not wear out for 40 years it was a mastery over the elements in the old covenant that's what the apostolic the kingship, the priesthood, Moses, Aaron, the mountain Sinai that burned and smoked, that terrified them. It was the eternal realm of God demonstrating dominion over the natural realm of the dead. And the realm of the dead was in them. And since they were terrified to have it consumed in them, because they thought they'd be consumed with the realm of the dead of Egypt that was still in their DNA. That's why animals react negatively. You have a hard time going out there catching a squirrel or a raccoon or a crow or some kind of bird flying around because they'll fly away from you because they're scared of you. They think you might hurt them. Don't touch me, human being. I don't trust you. Wild animals are wild and instinctually they will run and flee from human beings. <clears throat> Not always. We see some nature signs and wonders and we love all that stuff too. But that is the nature of DNA to react negatively to God. Yeah. It's afraid. It fears death. <laughs> this is what's being burnt out by consuming his flesh. That instinctual animal fear of death. Why doesn't a squirrel, a bird, in the realm of the natural want to be captured by you? Why will they fight and resist and even bite you if you try to capture them? Because they think they're going to die. That's why. They think you're going to kill them. <laughs> Maybe eat them or stuff them and put them on your wall. You ever catch fish? They're wiggling, they're shaking. Get me the heck out of here. What are you doing to me? You're going to kill me and eat me. So that is ultimately why people resist God. It's an instinctual animal reaction to being killed and eaten by a superior person. You're not the highest on the food chain as human beings. You might think you are, but you're not. Angels are. Angels are higher than you. The Bible says it. For a little while, Jesus, the son of the living God, became lower than the angels. But he had no fear of death. In fact, he went straight and charged death as fast as he could run and dealt with it with his own flesh. Amen. And because... He dealt with it by his father. His spirit was demonstrated as superior over physical death, which is the conquering of the curse of the fall. But unless it's done in the realm of the natural, it won't ever happen in your lives. It's just some kind of fantasy 
belief system. It's not real faith. Real faith is a substance stronger than death in the physical. Some of the mystics, when they'd you know, be drunk in the glory and different revivals, there's never been a revival in any time in history where there wasn't a physical intoxication. In the, in the old times, they called it getting happy. Because they didn't know, they'd just be laughing uncontrollable. They had no idea, they had no vocabulary for these manifestations. And every manifestation, there was a different vocabulary in a different culture. We call it the drunken glory in our culture in our day. But it happened in every revival there's ever been. And the religious people be so infuriated with their joy that they would they would slam them with sledgehammers they put spikes through their chest and through their heads through their arms they would torture them they'd kill them this happened all the time in the middle ages happened in germany happened in europe you can there's you can study it out stories of revival happened in france they'd decapitate people they'd pick up their decapitated head and their head would still be talking and they'd walk another five miles supernaturally I bet if they put it on their head, they would have healed their neck back together. But some of these people, when they'd be pounded with stakes and clubs and hammers by their murderers and their attackers, it would just bounce off of them. A people physically consuming the glory that had a dominion over hammers and nails. I know today, I've experienced this many times in ministry actually, where knives and bullets and gangsters and murderers couldn't physically harm me. They could strip me of my belongings temporarily, and they always get restored sevenfold every single time, but there was no natural realm superiority over the natural realm of glory that I was walking in by the obedience to the Holy Ghost. I believe the true prophetic path is the testing and the wrestling in the physical with death a lot of people are too cowardly to deal with this stuff and their faith is too fake that they might actually die if you were to face these things you would actually be punctured and bleed out and we'd be going to your funerals doesn't mean you test the lord but it means that you're spirit led and you will deal with an external spirit of death that will apply real death to your life and if you are not in the real life of Jesus, you could physically die. We've seen many people physically die. The death and the life are real threats and everyone dies and not everyone lives. You have to die with Jesus or you will die in the fear of death. Death ultimately comes upon everyone because they have not dealt with it at the cross in the death of Jesus. This is how you mature in Christ. It's the truth anyhow. The altar of death and the baptism of death is your conquering of Satan and the angels in your bodies, in your brains. These brain cells can't even be scrubbed until death is dealt with in you. The Bible says, death has become my closest friend. Written in Psalms. We say, oh, we don't read that in church. I know you don't. That's why you haven't overcome death. It's not something to be feared. Only the Lord is to be feared. Only his fear has wisdom. And if your fear of the Lord is real, your ability over death works on a street level. 
It's true. Now the Spirit of God will lead you and you will be led around death from time to time. Doesn't mean you always take the hardest path. No, you take the spirit path. You have to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Ghost, but there will be testings with the angel of death in your life when you are ready, and Jesus was ready right away to talk to death face to face in the wilderness 40 days, and it was horrible. It was so horrible that afterwards, angels, myriads of angels had to come and the Bible says, comfort him, comfort him. You're going to need angels as you grow and you will be comforted. Some of the stuff will be uncomfortable, but you have a comforter in the spirit of God. You will require the Holy Ghost because you won't be able to find comfort anywhere else. John the Baptist wore his camel hairs inside out, so he'd only be comforted underwater. And if he came out of the water, it'd be sandpaper on his flesh. It would rub the skin off his bones, forcing him to stay in the will of God by external things which is the discipleship. That's what the discipleship is. You're becoming a disciple of staying in the Holy Ghost. And the other stuff that ain't holy, the religious stuff, the profane stuff, the false, the angels of light, all that stuff becomes more and more your clear enemy as you get deeper and deeper in the Holy Ghost. And when your enemy gets clear, you have vision. What is the anointing? Hating wickedness. Loving righteousness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with more anointing than anyone else. Why? Because you hate wickedness more than anyone else. And if you don't hate wickedness, you don't have the anointing. It's true. These people that love wickedness, that say we need to love our enemies. Big difference between unconditional love and a love towards enemies and what they're practicing. Oftentimes we confuse the two because of immaturity. But the love for your enemy is the outpouring of your spirit, sanctifying them the same way you are sanctified. Amen. <laughs> So you can't even love unless you're purified. How could you? Unless God has purified you, what kind of love can you show others? There's no ability to love in man. That's what we lost in the fall. We can come together and kumbaya and call it love, but it's blasphemy. Equating to man the divine ability of love is blasphemy. Religion is blasphemy. It's the highest separation you can get in your soul from God is saying that I am able in my soul to be divine love. You're a blasphemer and an enemy of Jesus Christ. Just like Saul of Tarsus, I'm out here helping God, doing God's will, holding these blasphemous Christians accountable and he's going around as an enemy of God. That's what happens when you're soulish. You don't mean to be, but you're an enemy of Jesus Christ. Many Christians are Christ's enemies. And if you've been around a while, you know that's true. 
They'll never admit it because they're full of satanic pride, but they fight the Holy Spirit because they live in the soul and not giving the spirit control. When you yield the soul, you begin to flow in the spirit of glory. And the spirit of glory will not flow through a soulish person that does not hate what he hates. God hates the devil. (laughs) Some of the craziest things I've seen in this generation is love towards the fallen angels and trying to save principalities. Love towards Judas Iscariot. I mean, it is the epitome of the maximum measure you can be deceived in demon possession that we have seen in this generation. This kindness towards demons. Some people have given their souls so entirely to demons that Jesus treated humans as if they were demons in the Bible, and so did John the Baptist, and so does the Apostle Paul. That blacksmith, that coppersmith, that silversmith, he treated us horribly. God will give him what he deserves on that day. God will deal with him ever so severely. There are threats of judgment and destruction, even anathema, towards the enemies of the Apostle Paul in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 16.20 If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus, let them be accursed, anathema, completely destroyed into hell. That's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 20. You don't hear that one preached in people-pleasing churches, but it's written in the Word. If you don't love Jesus, anathema, quickly destroyed. We say we don't destroy people in here. Well, God does in the Word. If you are not hating the wickedness, hating the sin, there's no hope to deliver a person from Satan. You're out here being kind to animals, calling it evangelism. It's like saving animal evangelism. That ain't evangelism. That's deception. You can only save a person in their spirit that has no animal in it. The spirit in darkness has no revelation. The spirit gets full of light when you tell them there is spirit to escape the animal flesh. And then you're loving them for the first time by destroying the curse, which is taking the conscience out of the animal through sacrifice, through fire. But since you're so interwoven in the soul of your own animal body, When sanctification comes, you think you're being destroyed because you don't even know the spirit part of you that can't be destroyed through sanctification. That's why Christians flinch, they run, they they appeal to God, they say no to the spirit of fire, they say no to burning, because all they have is in the false temporal part of them because they have not been trained in Christianity. They've been trained in bestianity. Bestianity. That you maintain and apply Christianity to the temporal part of you is the teaching of the animal and the beast and Satan and his demons. You have mostly known satanic demon teachings that are applying the good Christian principles to the soul. I know I'm yelling at you, but I'm excited. (laughs) Glory. I like beating up the devil. 
The beast is such, this is how Christians are destroyed. They don't mean to be, they perish for a lack of knowledge of the spirit. The, when the most severe things, this is how you fall in love with the father. You don't know the father unless you love judgment towards your animal. You can claim it out there. You're fake. You don't know him at all until you love the judgment that comes upon the beast in your forehead and the beast in your hand. You oppose the father. Jesus Christ said they were blaspheming the father because of simply being immature. When you're immature, you'll blaspheme the father by calling discipline the devil, scourging the devil. You're just being mean. No, you're not ready for God's love yet at that level because that love is the mark of true maturity in Christ. <laughs> the mark of true immaturity in Christ is that my animal's all right and I don't need to be totally annihilated on an altar like a beast. We're okay here. I, you know, I went to Bible college. I graduated from third year at Bethel. And you're doing good. But we need to learn the priesthood. We need to learn the Levitical priesthood of the book of Revelation much more thoroughly. In order to bring the kind of judgment that we need in America towards these out-of-control Luciferians, and that's what they are, these out-of-control Luciferians that are just causing problems everywhere because their father's the devil. And when your father's the devil, you're going to do all kinds of dumb stuff every day. That's all you have in you is dumb and stupid and terrible and killing and stealing, destroying from, from believers are the ones getting robbed. And so unless the believers mature, these Luciferians just going to keep causing problems in your lives. But there's a maturity only in the priesthood that will deal with these wild Luciferians out here. Oh, that's what the spirit wants to deal with. He wants you to grow up. So when you grow up, your judgment comes upon the children of the devil. Notice that the children of the devil in the days of Noah were the Nephilim. Okay, and Satan wanted his sons to live 500 years. Book of Enoch, it is written, and that's scripture. And when Noah, a preacher of righteousness, raised a standard, judgment came upon Satan's sons. They were destroyed by the floods. Which means, in order to take out Satan's sons today, which are not Nephilim, but the Luciferian death cult of Freemasonry, in order to annihilate them in all first world nations like we're going after in this ministry, it's going to take righteousness. You can't do it any other way. If you could, you'd have gotten rid of them 500 years ago. But they've taken over the states, the nations, the governments, the, the seven mountains. They've taken over the natural realm. Christians are mostly poor. Christians are mostly working the bad jobs. They don't have the upper echelon. Christians are mostly not the upper class. Satan's sons and daughters are mostly the upper class. That's not God's will. You are from above and not below. You are the head and not the tail. We have not seen that yet in Christianity. It didn't happen in Paul's day. It happens in our day now. And it's only going to happen by a maturing in the priesthood. And it takes all this flesh stuff, this death stuff, this, this severity stuff, and a willing sacrifice on the altar. 
And don't think it's gonna be painful. The only part of you that feels pain is your own pride. You can only feel pain in your sin when you're dealing with the Holy Ghost. There's no pain in the Holy Ghost. The reason why it's painful is because you're full of sin. Truth, anyhow, I know from experience. When I feel pain, I know it ain't God. I know it's because he's dealing with Satan in me. Satan in you. And Satan's food in the Garden of Eden is sin. The dust of the earth. You'll crawl in your belly and eat dust all your days. It is written, God's going to keep you from the dust of the earth by living in the river. Amen. You can't stay out of the demonic unless you're in the river. Because if you're in the dust, even in ignorance, you're in the realm of the demonic and God gave them a realm. God did in the Bible. You are in a realm that your heavenly father gave to the fallen angels. Half the time, Jesus said the same thing about his people in the first coming. You are living in a dimension meant for the demons. Why are you there? Because you've listened to their spirits. Come out of them, my people, it is written. She has become a house of every unclean thing. What house is this? It's the house of no blood sacrifice. It's the house where the flesh and the Lamb of God's blood have not covered the soul. A house that isn't drunk on the blood of Jesus. A house drunk on the blood of the saints. It's that need and want and that codependency on one another instead of on God, which is complete immaturity everywhere, especially in the third world nations. And it's you need to grow up. God is going to bring up new streams of income for the third world nations. You've been robbed the most by the devil. Catch the devil. He repays sevenfold. I tell you what, God only works through men and women. So men and women will come around and have streams of income pouring through the priesthood. It ain't pie in the sky, false Christianity. It's not like just raining gold. The gold comes out of the believer's treasury of glory when you get obedient spirits that obey God. The 12 tribes are the flow of God on earth in the book of Revelation. 12 gates, 12 pearls. 12 apostles written in the stones. This is how the river flows. The Bible says only through apostolic men and women. We got this externalism where we pray, but I'm telling you, there will be a sanctification. God is going to bring prosperity to third world nations. There will not always be third world nations. There will not always be beggars. And listen, the royalty, now just, we love you, but take this as the truth because the Spirit of God wants to do miracles in third world nations. And I'm speaking this word over Firebase RLM Nairobi, Kenya right now. That God is going to raise a standard of provision where there will be rich inside poor nations that will totally transform what the fallen angels have tried to do in the caste systems of nations. Devils have done this. Mexico is not supposed to be a devil-filled third world nation. Costa Rica, the, the Central America, Africa, Asia, Philippines, all these nations. God did not create nations poor. He created them so rich that there's silver, gold, and gemstones flowing out of them. 
Satan did that. And when you deal with Satan in your nation by getting into Christ in you, you reverse the curse of nations. This is what the dread champions in the third world nations will do. They will go right up through these principalities of poverty and they're right there oppressing these nations big time. And it's against the very culture and mindset of the DNA in your nations. And you are called to wrestle principalities as the great apostle Paul. And if you're not, you'll never change the atmosphere of your nation and you'll always be submitted to those fallen angels. I don't think so. That ain't going to happen. There will be champions that rise in Kenya. There will be champions that rise in the third world nations. And it's not just going to be spiritual champions because you grew up in such dire circumstances. Although there will be that. We've had that already. We've had that for a while where people have su such extreme external fallen angel activity that it's just miracle upon miracle that they rise out of their third world nations. And we've seen that already. What we haven't seen is it touching the natural dimension where it's no longer a third world nation. You've never seen that before. You have never seen the curse reversed in nations. But I tell you the truth, in the manifestation of the sons of God, you will see that now. Amen. That there will be so much abundance from the Spirit, not from you. Your DNA couldn't do it. Your DNA only practiced what the principality been doing to your nation, oppressing you for hundreds and hundreds of years. The DNA is so manipulated in the flesh over nations, over people groups, over Christians in the South, the Bible Belt, the lowest income in America is with the highest concentration of Christian believers. Let that sink in right now. How pressed of the fallen angels believers in Jesus have been. It will not be like that when we rise physically and deal with the DNA that has been mutilated by the principalities. They've done it through starlight and sorcery, word curses, and the sun shall no longer strike them, it is written, which means their DNA cannot be touched by the natural realm. That's the overcoming of the fallen angels in reality, and any believer can do it anywhere. You just need the prophetic at a different level to empower your spirit to face this junk and go against the generational curses. Go against the blood of man and the blood of woman. Go against culture. You have to be the most counter-culture people that ever lived if you want to bring the kingdom because the kingdom is completely other to all earthly cultures, especially this millennial culture. Especially this Gen X, I mean, the kingdom culture is dramatically opposed to cultures of human beings. Amen. You can't even be relevant in the kingdom until you've disposed of your culture as a bunch of garbage. It's a garbage pile. Paul says that I counted it all as rubbish. The training in Judaism, the Jewish culture of his day, the finest teaching under Gamaliel, doctorate in divinity, memorizing all the scriptures into the soul, but having a dead spirit and serving the fallen angels in ignorance? Hello? You have to completely burn your religious cultures. Each state, it's almost like there's a different flavor. 
And we applaud that stuff. I tell you what, the Bible doesn't. The Bible says you need to dash it to pieces like poverty. It makes me cringe when there's this state pride hood. This, I'm a New Yorker, I'm a Texan, I'm a Californian. You know what? You need to be of the kingdom of heaven in Zion. You have not yet been sanctified from the world. Demons have enculturated you. Now, once that DNA has been burnt off of you in your kingdom culture, living in a new creature, you can go back there and dress like a flamingo, <laughs> dress like whatever your culture is, all things to all people, put a different suit on and spin it like a top each day because it doesn't matter because your spirit's free. But if your brain is locked into the natural realm, you are controlled by the fallen angels. That's what it's about. Getting set free from the realm of the natural. And the Bible says only the river of life can do that. We got America in us. Half of you are so deceived, you're proud of it. It's, a, it's insanity. Jesus said, dash the nations to pieces like pottery. You need to dash America in your heart and mind to poverty. It's not from God. These teachers don't have a clue, guys. They don't have a clue. It's not going to get the job done. We applaud patriotism, and it doesn't mean we're not patriot. Paul was so out of it, he would pull his citizenship card from Rome at times just so he wouldn't get beaten a couple times. But do you think Paul cared? Do you think a real apostle cares? We come as ambassadors from the kingdom of heaven. We're here to totally terraform nations. Yeah. You submit to national patriotism, national laws, these things, you need to submit to the law of the kingdom of heaven, which is obedience to the Holy Ghost, and you can't have both. You can't have both. You can come in the guise of an American, you know, social security number, but you will be so thoroughly kingdom if you get real and become real disciples that it won't, you won't even be an American. That's how the fallen angels will reveal themselves to you when you're no longer American. That's why I deal with this realm of the demonic, this realm of the fallen angel over America constantly for 25 years because I'm not here as an American. I'm here as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, as an angel from that dimension that has a body and a temple in this realm raging in warfare against the fallen angels. But if you are submitted to the natural realm they created, they will never reveal themselves to you. You'll never even know what your enemy is. And all this junk today, you look at it guys, it's total immaturity that this Luciferian stuff in America isn't revealed to most immature apostolic churches in the charismatic church. They're completely and totally clueless. And it is not maturity. It is babyhood. And it's because of that immaturity. And it's because of patriotism and good conservative born-again Christian Republican politics that's kept you submitted to devils instead of the kingdom of heaven. And it's the truth anyhow. And I tell you what, if you stayed in that level of maturity your whole life and the manifest sons of God didn't save you from your political sin and immaturity, the fallen angels would eat the flesh off your bones. They would. They want to. They hate everyone. But it's because of the standard of the preachers of righteousness like Noah. 
that will even cover their brothers and sisters that are less mature than them in Christ, while they're still yet political, while they're still yet in the prodigals in the field, in the, out there doing Christian works, totally clueless, submitted to devils in ignorance. They don't even mean to be guys. That's why they get offended if they don't apply it to themselves. That ain't me. You're talking to someone else. No, it's you. Talking to you, it applies to you. This needs to crucify you. It's not someone else. Christ is the only one good here, and it's the sword of the Lord destroying all of us together with the winepress of the wrath of the Almighty. What's the wrath towards? The human DNA until it's burnt up with God's DNA, which is the winepress. God's very genetics will destroy human genetics. It has to, otherwise the curse of the fall go on forever. Do you realize that's why human beings oppose the divine gospel? Because when you get into the angelic gospel, it destroys humanity. Save humanity, yeah, in Jesus, the only saved one, the body of Christ, doesn't save you. It saves, gets you into the only saved person gets you into the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost formed in you is your salvation. You know you have none in your humanity. Zero. Totally accursed. <laughs> and the ones that cling to their humanity? <clears throat> They're gonna have it the worst. <laughs> Shaka. Oh, I love it. Judgment. We just thank you, Father, for releasing judgment. That's what we need. We need judgment upon what the Christians have discerned as mature, but it's actually total deception. And it's kept them locked up in buildings made by human hands. It's not advancing the kingdom like you think. Maturity, advancing the kingdom, is that you're fully angel all the time, and you're waging war against all the stuff on earth. All of it. There ain't anything good on earth. I've come to bring fire. Oh, how I wish it was already kindled. What's fire for? Burning everything. The true prophetic doesn't allow anything of the earthly dimension to live. Judge Samuel, you know, letting the king live, he went up there decapitated. Representing not allowing the natural realm to live. The glory realm is life. And how do you get in the glory realm? Through the death of Jesus. You understand that? That's how death is your closest friend. Whose death? The death of Jesus. I preach the death of Jesus, which is Christ crucified. Christ crucified is preaching death. How often do you hear death preached of the death of Jesus? That's the only time you've ever heard the gospel. We allow the animal to live, and that's why we're still under the fallen angels, guys. Demonic influence can only be where the cross has not killed the animal. Because they're in the curse. They're living in dirt. They're living in dust. What's dirt and dust? The animal forms. And so, this is love. The cross, killing the animal, is the only experience of love there's ever been. (laughs) Until the altar is laid out, There's never been a demonstration of love in your life. False love, which is mostly what we've had, is the fallen angel counterfeit that you don't have to completely die with him, which allows the fallen angels to still rule over you, and you sit there and make excuses. 
that's just who I am. That's just my standard. That's what I believe. You turn it off, you get offended, you hide under your bed sheets, scared of dying with him, clinging to your blankie, clinging to your pacifier. You need to hear this now. Clinging to whatever pacifies you in the realm of the natural. Stay away from the prophets. Stay away from agape. Stay away from the cross. Run away from the cross to a more comfortable place. Clinging to sins for comfort in the flesh. Loving lies. Allowing sorcery to pacify yourself that you're okay in your own mind. Your judgment is your own belief systems instead of the Holy Spirit. That's what religion is. It's not the embrace of Jesus. It's the embrace of man-made religion in your head. The embrace of Jesus is the embracement of judgment. You can't come to Him without judgment toward everything wrong with you. You don't come to Him to have Him applaud how good you are. I'll thank you for coming. He now is your goodness. The God of goodness. Show me your goodness. I will have my goodness pass before you. I'll reveal myself to you, Moses. Show me your glory. I am your goodness. You have zero of your own. You know, crucifying self-righteousness is destroying the works of the devil. Crucifying souls, preaching the death of Jesus, is the opportunity to go into the glory. Fallen angels come with a fading glory. Most people get deceived by false glory. Angels of light, angels of glory. That's what the Apostle Peter called Satan. Peter called Satan an angel of glory. Wandering stars. Romans 9, Paul calls the stars different types and levels of glory. A fading glory, a diabolical glory, a natural glory, a natural light. Beware that the light in you is not Satan. It is written. That's what Jesus Christ said. You need the real light that slaughters like a bloody animal false light. We're at war. The enemy is just picking people off left and right, playing games. You want never-ending revival? All you got to do is get the whole animal butchered in your life and then butcher it daily with true light. True light is a slaughterhouse. Suddenly he transported me. Where? House of wine. What does wine represent? Slaughter of animals. Blood. They called the wine the slaughter of the animal sacrifice in the Old Testament. We think now it might be my Pinot Grigio, my Merlot, my Napa Valley, because we're totally lost. It is the slaughter of animal blood. Suddenly, he took me into a slaughterhouse, which is wine. This is the blood of the new covenant. How did the blood come from Jesus? You read the Bible? Through slaughter. They tortured him at different stages, ripped his beard out, ripped his skin off, ripped his flesh off his bones, speared him, nailed him to a tree, crucified his hands, his legs, and then put a crown of thorns in his head. How do you get house of wine? Through the slaughter of animal flesh. That's how it works, guys. You ain't going to live in the real glory in the house of wine until you're slaughtered in his animal flesh. This is the feast of the lamb. Woo! You get a stomach in you. And you don't throw up when you see guts and gore. 
Amen. Because you've lived as a priest. That's what the priest deals with constantly. See, the biggest demon fly and land on a warlock's head in your first world nation, and it's nothing to you because you deal with death every day. It's not a big deal when the fallen angel comes, when the demon comes, when the lying religious warlock comes, because you've already slaughtered so much of the animal, it's like, what's next? You're here to be slaughtered too? Oh no, you like being in that vessel. That's how you get discernment. The stuff that doesn't want to die is Satan 100% of the time. The stuff that wants to die, this is the bride of... Christ, the bride of the Lamb, means a people that love being slaughtered physically with the gospel. If you don't enjoy the slaughterhouse of the Lamb of God and how he died, and it's still like pain and it's hurtful towards me and my feelings get hurt, you are not yet the bride of the Lamb. Because what keeps you from being slaughtered is the temptation of the fallen angels that will never be crucified with Christ that have that bring no sacrifice from their souls that bring no sacrifice from their spirits no sacrifice from the realm of the natural to die with Jesus so you know them by their fruit what's fruit the blood of the grape Moses called the fruit of the cross the blood of the grape they will bring no blood there's no blood covenant it's just all thoughts I believe in Jesus like you where's the blood where's the flesh where's the slaughterhouse you do not believe in Jesus like me I hope you do and get slaughtered with the Lamb of God and join us in the marriage supper of the slaughter of the flesh Amen. And then the angel feasts on this stuff. Fallen angels are drunk on the blood of the saints because the blood of the saints have not yet been slaughtered with the deaths of Jesus. When you are, no fallen angel, no Jezebel principality could touch you. Are you kidding me? It's because of the low stature of your priesthood in the natural realm of why these things have not yet manifested for the believers. We're going to have to come into the same apostleship, which is high priesthood of Jesus. High priest and apostle of faith, he's called in Hebrews. Which means we're going to have to get as proficient in the slaughter of the animal as the lamb that was slain. Whoever's closest to him is the best at killing beasts, birds, and reptiles out of human faces with the gospel and with angel armies and the Lord of glory and the wicked get removed. There's change in the soul. This is the lamb's battering rams. Amen? And it ain't coming with the silence of the lambs. It's going to be coming with the, the joy of being crucified. You know, you only get fruit out of being slain. You realize that? An unslain person, someone that's not slaughtered with him, has no fruit of the Spirit. Unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it bears no fruit. This is why the soul that sucks up all the nutrients, you never get fruit out of people. Because they have not yet even begun at the cross. They're selfish saints. There's no such thing, which means they're false brethren. And that is some of you watching right now. And love tells you the truth. That you have resisted the slaughter of the cross. And have believed a demonic gospel that said it's just an addition to my soul. 
You are not yet even a real Christian. Most of your belief systems come from demons and not God the Father. And that's why there's no slaughter. That's why there's no sacrifice, no offering of soul. It's just kind of flowing around, whatever feels good for me. You know, whatever feels good for he. I want the river to feel good. You know what Jesus is called in the Bible? The servant of the Lord. Who is the Lord? 2 Corinthians 3.18 The Spirit is the Lord. How do we go from glory to glory? By serving the Holy Spirit. You will never grow in the glory until the Spirit of Jesus is the master of your mind. These people are nuts. They haven't obeyed the Holy Spirit with their minds at all, which means Jesus is not your Lord and you're not a Christian. A Christian is one whose Lord is the Spirit. Spirit, that I make my decisions, I choose my words carefully, I choose my path accordingly, the path of the righteous, what's righteousness? He has been made righteousness unto us. Who's he? The Holy Ghost. He's a faceless man. He wants to wear your face, but you have to yield to him. He's not a rapist. He doesn't just charge into your body. That's not how he works. You give him space. You make room for the glory. You make room in your heart. How do we do that? By you choosing to be a volunteer to join him in his cross. Climbing Calvary, climbing Zion, going from glory to glory is your soul choosing the sacrificial life of Jesus against the other options. That's how you grow in the glory. When you choose the easy options, the external options, the religious temptations, brown nosing to your family, people pleasing, anti-Christ garbage everywhere, you have just said no to Jesus. He doesn't even get mad at you. He's so kind that he'll be right there where you left off as soon as you repent from your external sins. This is how we actually learn. He doesn't expect perfection. He only expects progress. As young believers in the glory of God, as most of you are, who are making progress, he doesn't expect perfection because only he is perfect. He expects progress by understanding the process of slaughter. A priest isn't a good priest the first year. They're dimwits. Dimwits. They don't know anything. They would get yoked to a more mature priest and learn the grounds through constant sacrifice. You think you take a young 18-year-old, a 20-year-old, you put them in the temple and they're cutting goats and rams. They know what they're doing at first. It's a terrible butcher shop. It ain't a clean kill. Other parts of the animal over here or there. I mean, the face is cut in half for offering cow's noses to God and the priest is laughing. Oh, you're not going to receive that, but grace abounds. Hallelujah. We ain't going to send you home. We expect that from young priests. That's part of the process of the butcher shop of the Levitical priesthood of the new covenant. They ain't going to know how to clean fish because you're still unclean and you start working for him while you're unclean. Faith is the work of God. And and as you grow in cleaning up your soul and serving him with growing your faith here, this thing gets cleaned up. You get cleaner and cleaner. What's glory to glory? Cleaner to cleaner. You are cleaner now than the moment you first believed. Not just in spirit, in soul. Notice that the inheritance 
Acts 20 verse 32, the Bible says only come to the clean in soul. It doesn't say spirit anywhere because the spirit's clean at birth. Now the whole process is learning the priesthood, getting clean in soul. That's what our life is for. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, maturing in cleanness of soul through the slaughterhouse of the animal sacrifice. Amen. And this group is maturing in that. And there's people online. You can just feel the excitement of learning the new covenant Levitical priesthood. And if it wasn't in Revelation, if it didn't say Levi, I'd never say that. But the Lord keeps teaching me and expounding on the Revelation truths that I've had 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And it keeps expanding like treasure in the spirit. Wisdom grows. How? By killing more beasts, which is practicing the priesthood of new covenant Levi more and more in the temple. Why are we in the temple? Oh, just to soak in the glory, brother. Just to be in ecstasy. Just to kill animals. We're here to serve the Spirit at the altar for our Father. We're here as servants. And if an animal, which is a human brain, comes to us, the animal brain right here, and if that brain is drawn to us, you better teach them how to lay down on the altar and let the Holy Ghost burn up that brain. Otherwise, there's no growth in Christ. Transformed by the renewing of the mind, by laying on the golden altar and letting the spiritual fire of the Holy Ghost burn it up. And that is a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, that He breathes into His nostrils and gets intoxicated on your burnt offering. God is still receiving burnt offering. But in the new covenant, it's the burnt brain cell offering. Did our hearts not burn within us? Why? Because the disciples on the road to Emmaus were offering their hearts as a burnt sacrifice. First thing the high priest does in his resurrection form Temple sacrifice, burning human hearts. You can't get the nature out of the priest. What did he do? Began to burn his disciples' hearts up. Woo! Demonstrating love. Gardener, Rabboni. What is the garden works of the New Testament? Burning the false garden. You got to burn the weeds, the thorns, the thistles. What's the lily in the valley? You have a lily in the valley. The valley is the soul. The lily is Christ in the spirit. And it can grow up right through the soul in total glory, which is heaven on earth in the midst of hell. Hallelujah. The only ones that will ever demonstrate this, especially now in this time, is a critical time of maturity, are the ones that are surrounded by the most darkness. You are blessed with that much fertilizer. The darkness around you encroaching on your soul. We want to oppose it. We want to fight it. Oh God, don't give me your hardest battles. I struggle against all this lust and pride and religion, self-righteousness and sexual morality, all the temptations of Jezebel, sorcery, immorality. They're too much for me. Take away this battle. He's like, oh my God, that that's the black tar pitch for the, the ark. If I didn't have the tar around you, you couldn't put together the gopher boards to make the ark of the days of Noah. You would die with the judgment of the fallen angels. You're welcome. 
That tar is useful to be surrounded by sinners. The Bible says Jesus was. How many of y'all know he is the way? You'll be surrounded by usually religious people. Whatever sin that is familiar to you that can sneak back into the temple, that's what's around you right now. The devil knows exactly what he's doing in your weak points where you're blind. Hallelujah. And God wants to patch them up. He's put pitch right there to put a patch right there. You are the ark. The bride is the ark. And her testimony becomes the walls. Amen. This is gopher state. Minnesota is the Minnesota gophers. The Bible says the wood that built Noah's ark was gopher wood. I know it's a prophecy for the teaching of the understanding of forming an ark around your spirit, using your souls and your bodies and your blood. It changes, but all these elements are useful to melt with fervent heat. The melting is part of the process in metamorphosis. Without the melting, there's no cocooning and the worm never becomes a butterfly. That external realm of death of the worm is necessary. You cocoon right in the midst of it, right from the center of the body you're in right now. Your spirit will emerge wearing celestial garments. That's what the silver, the gold, and the gemstone dust is. It's the manifestation of the skin of the new creature. That's your skin of the new creature coming through the old creature on the outside. You are beginning to see the new creature. You are looking at the new you. The Bible says they wear gemstones. The Bible teaches that the believer's rewards, believer's clothing, wedding garments, I know, Ezekiel 28, Satan took our clothing. He's wearing eight different gemstones, nine different gemstones in Ezekiel 28. Oh, we're going to read that. Why? Because you're wearing your gemstones underneath and that's what takes out Lucifer and his Luciferians. When you become the gemstone people of the true morning star. Okay. This is, this is a fun one. We'll end with this. We could go forever and we will. I love the eternal priesthood. 28. Easy kill. The word of the Lord Jesus Christ came to me again. Here we go again. Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre. Boo. We hate the devil's princes. Thus says the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up and you have said and thought, I am God. Soul. I sit in the seat of God's soul. In the heart of the seas, heart, soul, yet you are only man, weak, feeble, made of earth, not God. Though you imagine yourself to be almost more than mortal with your mind as the mind of God, delusional, that's what pride is. That's why they're all insane. Indeed, you are imagining yourself wiser than Daniel. There is no secret you think that is hidden from you. With your own wisdom and with your own understanding, you have gotten you riches and power and have brought gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom and by your traffic, you have increased your riches and power and your heart is proud and lifted up because of your wealth. 
Doesn't that sound like Satan's sons and daughters today? Because therefore, says the Lord God, because you have imagined your mind, because you thought your mind was the mind of God. Notice what this is about here. Because you thought the mind of Christ was the brain, this is why you're going to be destroyed. Having thoughts and purposes suitable only to God himself before, therefore, behold, I am bringing strangers upon you. The most terrible of the nations, which is a nickname for Joel's army, one of the best. The terrible of the nations. One thing that we are anointed to be is terrible. It's a beautiful thing. You're good at being terrible. That's my anointing. That's my spiritual gift. And they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom, Satan. And they shall defile your splendor, Jezebel. They shall bring you down to the pit of destruction, and you shall die the many deaths of all the fallen angels that are slain into the lake of fire. That's a Joel's Bar paraphrase, but it is the truth anyhow. Will you still say, I am a god, before him who slays you? I mean, I know that's our job, to slay him in this generation. But you are only a man, made of earth, and no god in the hand of him who wounds and profanes you. You shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers, for I have spoken it, says the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. And the king of Tyre is a principality. It's also the one that steals from the apostles, the ships of Tyre. You are the full measure and pattern of exactness giving the finishing touch to all that constitutes completeness, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. I don't think the king of Tyre was there. Who is he talking about? Lucifer. Every precious stone was your covering. Carnelian, topaz, jasper, chrysolite, beryl, onyx, sapphire, carbuncle, and emerald. That was Satan's skin. It's a description of what the devil was wearing the day he fell from heaven. In the Bible. And your settings and your sockets and engravings were wrought in gold. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub that covers with overshadowing wings, and I set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God, Zion. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire, God's heart, like the paved work of gleaming sapphire, upon which the God of Israel walked on Mount Sinai. Which means he knows your path back into the promised land because that's where he came from. So he knows how to stop you from getting there because that's where he came from. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity and guilt. Another translation says pride 
was found in you. Through the abundance of your commerce, you were filled with lawlessness and violence, and you sinned. Therefore I cast you out as a profane thing from the mountain of God, which is the kingdom of heaven. And the guardian cherub drove you out. Notice the guardian cherub who drove him out. Prince Michael, called the guardian cherub here, drove him out in the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud and lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Satan has been cast down to you to the ground. I lay you before kings that they might gaze at you. You have profaned your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, spiritual sins, and the enormity of your guilt by the unrighteousness of your trade. Therefore, I have brought forth a fire from your midst. Lake of fire. It has consumed you. And I have reduced you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who looked at you. All who know you, the Luciferians, among the people are astonished. The sons and daughters of the devil. There's millions of them. They're astonished and appalled at their father. You have come to a horrible end and shall never return to being. The word of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so there's a judgment here today. First towards the belongings of this prince, this prince of darkness. We have to slaughter it out of ourselves. We have to give to the devil what belongs to him, which is all the pride in our souls, in order to be separated, for him to go down into the judgment prepared for him. This is how you overcome. You have to give it up. That's why you can only climb Calvary with open hands. Some of this stuff you have to just let slide through. Don't cling to anything as you climb Mount Zion. Climb in Calvary. You just cling to the cross, which is your ability to sacrifice more for more of the river, more divine life, which brings more judgment upon the fallen angels around you. Amen. And this is how we create for them their final judgment in this day. This is how we bring down those celestial powers and shake them today. This is how we encapsulate over them a canopy and a dome of the tabernacle of David. The maturity of that throne, the maturity of that promise to David comes forth in this generation, which is not just a slaughter of the physical offspring of devils and the Philistines, the Amalekites and the parasites and all the enemies around Jerusalem that he conquered and slaughtered. He killed giants. He killed Nephilim in the Bible. But now it's the spiritual conquering of the Davidic anointing, which is the messianic anointing, which is the seven spirits of God, Isaiah 11:2, that completes and finishes that work of the spirit of God through the believers in these armies today. And so the anointing in you will follow through 
upon the devil around you. First and foremost, let it separate you from your own sins. You got to win that civil war in your own members until you stop looking at others, until you stop judging others. You cannot judge others by any means until you've been judged, then the river coming out of you is the judgment. If the river coming out of you is not the judgment, you're in total self-righteousness of the fallen angels. It's just, it's all lawlessness. We need to win the civil war before we win the great war. Some of you that have had progress in the civil war, which is your spirit versus your soul, are beginning an outpouring to win the great war, which is the war against the entire curse of the fall that we will be victorious in as we mature in this priesthood. That's how we win. All we need to do to win the great war against the entire curse of the fall is mature in the new covenant Levitical priesthood. In Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, for the training of each and every one called to be a priest of this nation Israel. With that stone in the ephod of their spirit and the breastplate of righteousness of the tribe of Levi to serve as priests of their God in heaven. Amen. The priests of the Melchizedek order. Priests of the cross of Calvary. Priests of the death of Jesus. Thank you for this priesthood and for a people maturing in it everywhere from every nation, tribe, and tongue. You have assembled mature priests that will sacrifice the DNA of their nations to demonstrate the angel-like sons of God. A maturity that is angelic with no national pride, although there will be a glorification of nations, but it'll be through the dashing of the nation, it'll be the glorification of the nation through the priesthood of the full and complete sacrifice of the human DNA, encapsulating these champion spirits. It's your champion spirits. And you Americans were mutts. So we're conquering like 75 at the same time. You got like 30 different nationalities mixed in your DNA. You're like the whole Tower of Babel. It's true. We got like, there's like 35 different nations. We are just total mutts, which is a great opportunity to kill like 35 birds with one stone. Amen. And we are, and it's working, and that's why America in the natural is head of nations, because of how many nations get slaughtered when the Spirit rises through all that DNA. That's why it's so powerful. The melting pot. That's what the priesthood is. Ezekiel had a melting pot at his temple. He cooked in a melting pot. He cooked the nations in there. There's recipes in there. Ezekiel's kitchen. We need this melting pot. Everything of heart and mind and bone will be in the pot. Elijah said death is in the pot, so we know no marijuana. No THC, zero. Prophet Elijah said death is in the pot. I love that. Amen. Truth in him. What's in the pot? We are. We're making nation stew. Every nation, tribe, and tongue getting stewed up in the glory. You burn the principalities, you burn the nations, which is a demonstration of the cross of true agape love. Those things just boil right out. That's how you refine fire, refine gold seven times into pure gold with fire. It's by just burning up the DNA progressively 
on earth. This is the priesthood that we're maturing in. And I thank you, Lord, for a great multitude of priests and even new priests coming into Red Letter Ministries to get training in New Covenant Levitical priesthood. This is what's going to shake everything that can be shaken. This is what the devils fear more than anything. Devils aren't afraid of this fake ap apostolic prophetic crap out there. I mean, that's political. It's human. It's in buildings made by human hands. It's submitted to Luciferian 501c3s and tax codes of the secret societies of the Freemason lawyers. Devil's not afraid of that fake Christianity. Devil's afraid of you becoming a Zion priest of fire that don't give a crap about the natural dimension or whatever timeline and culture you're born in, but your spirit goes into the eternal flames of the stones of God and bring them to earth and incinerate all the crap the devil built around your head. That's what demons fear. People that will terrorize the natural dimension with fire. And all these wicked that are in the natural realm, fathered by devils and CIA and FBI and all governmental positions of power in the seven mountains of the whore of Babylon, will just burn up. They will burn with the Holy Ghost. They're afraid of the Spirit of God. And they should be. He comes with angel armies. He comes with 10,000 times 10,000 of his holy ones. He comes with Enoch. He comes with Moses. He comes with Elijah. In the terrible day of the Lord, with the terribles of the nations, he comes. He comes now with white horses and chariots of fire. He comes with angel armies. He comes because of the maturity of our priesthood. That's the only reason why he comes. He won't come for any other reason until the bride is mature, equally yoked to him with spiritual ability. He comes with the rain of fire. He comes with the winnowing fork in his hand. He comes with an axe to chop the tree of the knowledge of good and evil down at the roots and throw it into the fire to never grow again. He will extinguish the seed line of the fallen angels and their sons and daughters permanently in our day. He's doing it now. That's what David started. He waged war against the DNA of Satan. That's what the, the roots of David are. The roots of David is the extinguishing of the influence of fallen angels on planet Earth and the whole planet. They will burn up with unquenchable fire. And your spirit already has the roots of David in it. You just got to tell your brain about it and begin to have your own experiences and grow in confidence, which is faith to use the seven spirits of God, the messianic anointing in your hearts to destroy all the DNA of the devil in the nations. Blessed are these peacemakers. They are the sons of God in Jesus name. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Like to give an offering into that word? Click the link in the description. Amen.
with us. 